it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, episode two of the Loot Nanny podcast here uh, that we are doing now. 1500 ESPN, of course, is uh, is the place to find it. 1500ESPN.com, I should say. Podcast One, iTunes, and all those good places. And... Louie, let's go back to something that we discussed um, briefly last week, and that is the amount of not just good, but extraordinarily extraordinary, I should say, young talent in this league now. Have you ever seen this many good young players at the same time in the National Hockey League, Louie? No, and the reasons, there are many reasons for it, but one of the best reasons is the fact that you've got more people playing hockey all over the world. And with the numbers up so uh, dramatically from what they were, and the ability not only to play hockey all over the world, but for the NHL to get them. These guys are available now to the NHL before when you had to have deals with Sweden, Finland, Czechoslovakia, Russia, etc. Those deals always uh, were a little harder to do. I mean, we get them done. Mm Mm-hmm but not, not so easily, and, and we didn't have the freedom of movement between leagues as we do now. So uh, when you look at the NHL, they are sitting in a position they've never been in before. They've got people producing hockey players for them all over the world, and they are accessible to the NHL teams if they want to make a deal with those countries. So we've got Matthews in Toronto, McDavid with the Oilers, obviously, McKinnon in Colorado, Line a with the Jets, if I, if you were starting a team right now, and you could have one, but only one of those guys, which one would you take to start your team? Well, just by a hair, I guess I take Connor McDavid. Although it's so close, uh, it, I, to me, Connor McDavid and Matthews are, are more than a cut above all those other great players, and they are great players, the other ones. But I think these two are generational players, and I do believe that. Uh, well, you know what, Judd. It's the same thing as years ago. We were having a general manager's meeting down in Florida. And after din- we were at the PGA Resort, and after dinner, dinner, 12 of us sat around and we're talking about the NHL. And Rogi Vachon's buying us 100 year old Grand Marnier. I'll never forget. <laughs> we're drinking there. And, yep. and somebody comes up with a question that you just poised right now. He said, Okay, you have a chance to start a team, and you have your player pick from anybody in the history of hockey. Right at their prime, who do you take? And six guys took Orr, and six guys took Gretzky. Wow. So that's, yeah. when you talk about McDavid and uh, Austin Matthews, you probably be getting the numbers just like that. So here, here's the tough thing for me now, Lou, as well, and this uh, goes to hockey and really all sports, too. These in-depth conversations that sports fans love to have about about you know Babe Ruth, for instance, or a player now, or 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 a player now. I think 
in, in my opinion, it's patently unfair to try and do that because eras changed so much. And if you go back and watch Orr now, you see him and he's still phenomenal. But, you know, if you put his style of play and what, what he did in today's game, it, you're going to say to yourself, okay, that's really good. But but at that time, right? I mean, the things that he was doing or how, they, they, were, they were changing the game at that time. So I think it's unfair to try and compare eras. Well, it really is unfair because you got rules change. You have yep. uh, physicality of the, the the game change. The size of the players change. The equipment size playing and equipment type. It really isn't. Uh, you know, it was like uh, I'm sure you've probably seen it, but uh, and if you're a boxing fan, which I was a big boxing fan, it's like trying to compare uh, Rocky Marciano to Muhammad Ali. And mm-hmm. they tried for a lot of different reasons, but and they and they'd even go into these computer bouts and see who won. And, and you'd have the same thing in, in hockey as you would in any professional sport. But the fact doesn't change is the uh, incredible ability that these athletes have that it didn't matter what era, what time, and any of the uh, rules changes, et cetera, they'd still be stars in the game. So I struggled with what I'm about to say to you, but I don't I don't know if I'm just biased so I'm wrong or or what. So tell me. The North Stars going to Dallas broke our hearts, it, and there, that will that will not change. But that being said, what did the expansion of this game mean as well? Because if I'm correct about this, Matthews is an Arizona kid, right? Right. So, so as much as I hate the fact that the North Stars left, and and to this day would love to have them back here in Bloomington, ideally, if it could be the case. What does the expansion of this game into the South mean as far as, to your point, developing players and now all of a sudden a kid who 35 years ago might never have considered putting on a pair of skates is actually a great athlete who does skate? Well, what it means is that the, the game's got a broader base following than it's ever had, and it's continued to grow because of that. The one thing about hockey that uh, everybody that's involved with hockey or watches hockey and very in tune with the product knows it's much better to be at the game than watch it on television. And in football, it's much better to watch on television than it is to be in the game. I, I mean, for seeing the game and seeing what happens. Mm-hmm. Those, you know, football was made for television. Hockey is made to be there. And, and you can't really feel the electricity of a hockey game unless you're there. And you can't see plays develop. And, you, you know, the camera doesn't cover the range like it does in football. So you, you have a much better idea about the game. And, and it's easier to learn the game if you're in the building than you are if you're on television. Yes. And and because now you're getting people in these buildings, you're getting people to understand the game, and when you understand the game, you can't help but love the game. It's really growing in popularity by leaps and bounds. And and as far as kids go, you have to remember, and I used to, when I used to speak for, you know, when I was playing and I had to do the talks for the North Stars, and I'd go and talk to parents and about the opportunities that they have if they let their kids play hockey rather than, other sports. I said, stop and think of a three or four year old. Now, a three or four year old can get out on skates. I had my kids on skates at two years old. I, you know, I'm sure I was on skates at two years old because yep. it's fun to skate. But stop and think of your three and four. And you could cut a stick small enough and you could have a puck there and the kid can skate around and do things. He can handle basketball and he certainly can handle football, the regular size at those ages. Mm-hmm. And and he really has a tougher time hitting a ball, you know, when it's thrown at him. So there's a lot of, a lot of different stuff that that these guys uh, 
you know, have the opportunity to really get in tune with the game at an earlier age. Plus, size doesn't mean as much a difference as it does in basketball or football. Sure. And 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 when you got those things going for you, you got you know a, a, an opportunity to develop the sport. And fortunately, like I, I, I hate to obviously so badly that the North Stars moved to Dallas, but. Just imagine if the league and the, and the people here, and I, I think the original owners didn't want to have the North Star name. They should have fought to keep it. Yep. But had they just kept the name, it would be just like Cleveland Browns are in football right now. Yep. And we had the opportunity to get that done. And if you kept the name, even if it's in St. Paul, if St. Paul, we had a lot of fans from St. Paul. That, that's not a problem. I don't care where the rink is. But if the, if the Minnesota North Stars were playing in St. Paul, it would be the same as they're playing in Minneapolis as far as I'm concerned. And I think that's what the attachment is to. It was a name. It's a unique name. Everybody loves the name that's ever heard the name. Mm-hmm. People, I don't care where I go in the country, they still talk about the North Star name, the North Star jerseys. And, and it's still one of the most popular heritage jerseys there are. And that's the thing that would make the connection grow again and be strong again. Not so much the fact that the team went there. Okay, t- uh, tell the story again. How could they? How c- could they have uh, potentially kept that name here? And and where did it fall through that that did not happen, Louis? Well, everybody's under the assumption that because the North Stars moved from Minneapolis to Dallas, that they kept the name because they were stars. Well, you got the Red Sox and White Sox in baseball, and the fact is, the league owns the name, not the uh, not Dallas Stars. So the league has the rights to the North Star name. And I, you know, and there was a, a couple of the owners of Dallas when there was a push earlier on. I think just to maybe wear the jersey, sort of balking at it. But the league now is indifferent. I've talked to them. They, I, I really do believe that. I, I know for a fact that you could wear a North Star jersey in the game. You could, uh, you know, have a North Star night, et cetera. The league would go along with that. Yep. And I'm also not that I wanted to change a wild name, but I'm not so certain if they wanted to change a wild name that the North Star name wouldn't be here because there's only one North Star. And, and it's over Minnesota. That's why it's called the North Star State. I mean, it's over the whole world. But th- this is this is you know that something that Minnesota is associated with, not Dallas. Right. Dallas got the stars. They're the White Sox. We're the Red Sox. In other words, and and I I, I do believe if there ever was a desire to do that, and you'd have you, you know you'd have no no problem getting it done. Why don't don't they? Do you think? Well, I think Just for, for a game, a for reasons. instance, I, yeah. I think a couple of reasons. Right now, they probably they probably think that maybe St. Paul. Some people in St. Paul, not all, because I know a lot of St. Paul fans love the North Stars. But some people think that the Wild in St. Paul is is pertinent to St. Paul. That it might not be if they were called the North Stars, which obviously is wrong, because the North Stars are still the team of the state, not of a city. And and I think that. Uh, Right now, that uh, maybe just they're comfortable with having it there because everything's branded and marketed as a wild. That would be, that would be like a big name, name change, like you had in some of the major companies in the in the world. And sure. when they do it, and you could get it done, not that you couldn't, but it it could be done. I'm just saying one game though. Oh, one game, just you one, definitely should just do it. That's one a game. no-brainer. Why that hasn't been done? Yeah. I mean, if if I was in charge of marketing department, I'd have a North Star night where if you wear a North Star jersey, you get a, a, a hot dog for a dollar, you know, or beer for a dollar, whatever. Mm-hmm. Just you know, sort of a gimmick type night, and you and you you, could, you you should be marketing the North Star tie 
and uh, I think it would be very successful to do so and be very easy to do so and uh, really benefit from it. Louis, if I uh, put you in charge uh, of hockey on TV tomorrow, and, and obviously HD has had a positive in- impact and makes it uh, much better to watch because you can clearly see the puck and things like that. But if you were in charge of hockey on TV, especially in this country, what type of changes w- would you make that you don't see now that that not necessarily are going to make the game a smash hit, but are going to improve the TV viewing experience because you're exactly right in person the sport is fantastic on tv it's not bad it's still good but what do you think could translate a little bit of what you get from the in arena experience to tv that we don't get now well i think you'd have a you should have one camera just dedicated to the whole rink and and you wouldn't televise use that camera the director wouldn't use that as a play going on but at the end of breaks especially when you you're coming out of a commercial break or after goals are scored or maybe even penalties are called. They show penalties, but the goal scoring, I think, would be uh, people watching the game would benefit from seeing the whole sequence of what transpired before the goal is scored. So that might be bringing the puck up from your own zone mm-hmm. that they don't do as much of. They still do, they do some, but I think if you had one camera dedicated to it uh, to just whenever something significant happens, especially goals, that you're able to show just a broad picture, and 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 so the viewer, and I'm talking about uh, not the purists, but viewers that are new to the game, or or you know even the ones that enjoy the game. I I, I try and do that during the state telecast to to tell how the goal happened before it happens, right? The things that transpired before to give people an idea why they were able to score the goal and what what happened along the way that allowed the goal to be scored. And I I just think it might. Uh, education-wise, it, it might benefit the viewer a little more if they gave that kind of view uh, more than they do. Right, because the, the, the views at this point don't seem to change much. No, no. And, and you know, usually when you you see a goal scored, they'll have all the interaction around the net, what's transpired in front of the goal, the, the shot from the point. But many times, before the guy gets a shot from the point, the guy had to dig it out in the corner, maybe kicks it to him or something. Yep. Little things that they're not picking up on that, that are a major part of the goal that nobody's really paying attention to being uh, part of that goal. Which North Star player who you were a GM for, do you watch the game now and say to yourself that that player's skill set and speed and, and now size is not a big deal would have translated and perhaps made that player a better player today than he was back then? Well, I don't know if they make it any any better. I mean, you know, because when you see the game of speed, right away you think about Madonna, and, and when you when you talk about different sides of players being successful, uh, last night I think uh, Ovechkin tied or passed Cicerelli for shorthanded goals, but uh, Cicerelli, you know, around the net, the things he's done. I... I, um, I <laughs> I kind of think that the, the players that had abilities, like a Brat and a smaller guy, but but his skills still translate to any size game, that uh, it would be you know it'd be seamless to move across. And then you get guys like Bobby Smith with the long reach and the way he controlled the puck and how he held it away from his body. Those things, you know, are are part of the game today, and and it's not it's not going to made their game any different. Uh, where where the the big changes would be, <laughs> Judd. Is the kind of uh, obstruction that was in our game in those years 
that stopped a guy from like a, a Bobby Smith or Dino Cicerelli from uh, breaking away from a guy or, or uh, Neil Broughton, you know, getting pulled down. Uh, they played with much more obstruction than you see people playing at today. Yep. And and their game would have been elevated because <laughs> the kind of skills they had. And you give them more room to operate, they're going to get more points. Can you imagine the amount of of penalty minutes that Billy Smith would have incurred <laughs> playing goal? You know, goaltenders now basically they don't touch the guy. You're exactly it right. It amazes yeah. me. I, I would go, yeah. I'd be hacking up a storm, Louie. These guys try and like see around the guy in front screening, and defensemen really don't move them. It, it is a different world from how it was, well, now, thir- 35 years ago, obviously. Well, I'd like to know if Billy Smith would be getting suspended some of the things he did. Yeah. And he wasn't the only one. You stand in front of Cheevers, he was going to cut you down. Mm-hmm. He was going to cut you down. That's great. But Dubnik tries to, you know, he's trying to see around guys, and he's trying to, and he's he moves them a little bit. But back in the day, you're right, guys would be slashing the back of your legs and trying to kill you, and the defenseman would try and take you out. And now, and now, the incredible thing is, if you tap a guy on the hands, it very well could be a penalty. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm talking about. You're right, and to see the kind of uh, obstruction that. It's not only that kind of obstruction. How about the opportunities guys used to get to uh, skate out of the zone? Because if if I'm coming to check your defenseman and your defense partner, all you used to do is cut in front of me and ride me out of the play, and the guy just skate out. There was no obstruction. I mean, no obstruction call there. You know, and and now these guys just get forechecked right on. You know what I mean? Yes, exactly. I've got an Ovechkin power play question for you that that I can't figure out why it doesn't change. How on earth, and he is now what? I know what you're going to say. 12 years in? I mean, he is now, this, this is not, this is not as the kids like to say today, a small sample size. You want me to ask you a question? Yeah, go ahead. How does he get a loan off? Nobody's watching him. Yes. How? <laughs> Explain it. I don't get it. <laughs> you know what happens, and it just, it, it's amazing that it does. Everybody tries to clog the middle and, and cut the pass through off forcing the puck back to the point so that then the point's got to give it to Ovechkin, and they feel by that time they can react and get to Ovechkin. They don't see the puck coming through and across or it moving as quick as it can. Like last night, 99.9% of the guys, Ovechkin's second goal, would not have been scored by anybody else. Carlson makes him the pass, and he got it there fast, but he had to get it there so fast. The puck was bouncing. It was, it was a one bounce, and Ovechkin scored with it out of the air. He took the shot. That puck was literally about two inches off the ice when he shot it. And so Lundqvist even said in today's paper, I shouldn't have taken it for granted. I shouldn't have relaxed. And, and he gets that shot off so quick and so accurate and, and so hard that everybody says the same thing. You know he's going to get it. Yep. You know, the thing that would be interesting It'd be like Scotty Bowman tried to do with Bobby Orr when Bobby Orr was bringing the puck out of the zone so easily. And, and Scotty was coaching Montreal. He sent the four when the puck would go in the zone or was going in the zone, he sent the four checker right to Bobby Orr without the puck. Yes. You just go to Orr so he can't get the puck. I like and it. They, and they tried that. But and Orr would just Did it work get himself at all? back into position, get it and come back down again and catch the four checker. And, and, but you do wonder. You know, four on three is a better statistical uh, advantage than five on four by 5%. Okay. But you do wonder if you say, I'm going to play this four on three 
by putting my one penalty killer right on the Vetchkin, <laughs> stand yes. right beside him, and let them play four and three and see if they can score as much as they do five and four. Box and one, right? Basically, that's exactly, that's basketball right. idea. Yeah, I try it at least. Oh yeah, well. You better because I think that was a 292nd power play goal last night. If I'm a goaltender and that SOB is in that circle alone, I'm saying to my teammates, what the hell are you? Leave one guy alone. I'll take him. Yeah, exactly. You know, I don't care if the guy from the point from the point gets a shot on me. Just make sure that you're in Ovechkin's face. It's just it baffles me that nobody seems to do something, at least one team, where you say to yourself, oh, okay, at least that's a chance to take that shot away from Ovechkin. Yeah. Well, I know one thing. If I got burnt by it enough, I'd be trying it. Exactly. Hey, when uh, who did you, um, I, and I guess the question would start with Gretzky probably, but who did you guys try and scheme for? And and if you did, what were some of the schemes that you tried to come up with to stop a great player who you know you're not going to stop entirely, but at least it's worth a shot? Well, it's like when you, Denny Savard sometimes, you just go check him, be with him without the puck. It's just like, uh, football or anybody else, you cover a man before he's got it. And I, when I say cover, I mean shoulder to shoulder. You know where he goes, you go. Yes. And and there there's been guys, you know, over the years, you've always felt that way about. Uh, you know, I, literally, they, they'd always say, if you look at how, look at Gretzky, they go to where the puck's coming. So sometimes you think, well, I'm not going to him because the puck's not there. But if you stay with him, it's going to go. He's going where the puck's coming, or the puck's going to come to him. And, and too often we think that these superstars are out of the play or they're not going to be in the play, you're going to have time to react, and you don't. And so many times if you're playing a big game and you got to shut somebody down, like right now if if I was playing against Chicago and, and I really had to stop them, mm-hmm. somehow, some way, I'd have somebody stand right beside Kane. Yeah. If Kane doesn't get the puck, nothing happens on the ice with those other guys usually. Yep, yep. And and. and- and the thing that I always liked that you you guys did against uh, Savard, I think especially, was you frustrated him. He'd get mad. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no doubt about that. And I always thought that that was fantastic because it, di- it didn't necessarily improve him all, all the time. He'd get mad and frustrated and then do something dumb. So, I mean, if that if that's the worst case, that's fantastic. He takes a penalty, perhaps. Exactly, exactly. Who was the best um, shutdown defender type of guy, third or fourth line, at, I'm sure, at the time, that you saw? Oh, uh, that's tough. No, I, I mean, there, like, when you go back and, and really, uh, Larry Robinson was, was just unbelievable. Unbelievable. You know, if you're playing a big game, and you got to win a Stanley Cup and stuff like that. You know, Serge was a, a great. Savard was a great all-around defenseman, and and Le Perrier was was great uh, handling the puck too. But overall, I mean, if you wanted somebody in the ice that was gonna, you know, you got to stop people from scoring. Larry Robinson was about as good as there was because he was big, he was strong, mm-hmm. he had long reach. You couldn't get in close to him with the puck. He, uh, he cleaned the front of the net. Uh, he can move the puck up quick. And when you picture Larry Robinson, you you can picture him going up the ice with the puck, but not often. I mean, he'd go up and and, and make the play, and that's it. Whereas you take a guy like Dennis Potvin, a lot of times he'd go down and and he'd make the play and go with the play, and that. And Dennis was another great one, by the way. But 
just shut down completely. Ooh, that Larry Robinson was, you know, I played against him a lot, and I, I got to tell you, he uh, he was a beast. Mean too, or just big and tough? Oh, he was tough enough. He okay. he was he was a nice mean. In other words, <laughs> he was nice until you did something stupid or dirty, then he got mean. <laughs> that would not be good. Yes, I mean he uh, and everybody respected him because he knew he was tough as hell too. But and and he'd give you a shot and uh, take a shot and and that's why you say nice mean. I mean you could hit him hard, when but you knew you're going to get hit hard by him too. But he uh, he was one of the all time greats in my mind. You know when they talk about best defenseman of all time, they always say Bobby Orr first, which I think is in question. And right now they've moved uh, Nicholas Lidstrom, as a, you know, and talk about a shutdown guy. There he is, and and yeah. and they and they got him number two. And so present day now he's. He's basically gone, but after the 70s and 80s era, the best shutdown guy would have been Lindstrom because it wasn't only his offense. He was so meticulous and effortless at stripping pucks from people, blocking passes going across, you know, not allowing the plays to be made and getting the puck out quick. Uh, Lindstrom would, would, would be another one. And, Louie, you, you know what? Detroit is doing our plan. They're they're currently doing our plan. I know they're getting awful. God bless them. This is this. We should take this plan on the road and get as many teams to do, to do this as possible. If you're going to be bad, be awful. The Red Wings are going to be awful, but they're going to actually, I think, bounce back quicker because of that. Well, look at the Rangers. Yep, I think the Rangers have made Rangers were first to do it last year, and I think they've been they've done it in a classic way. They piled up a bunch of draft choices and, and young guys. And right now, they are a fun team to watch. They they are fast. They're young. They're going to commit mistakes. But I got to tell you, you play the Rangers right now. They're like Carolina. You know, you're you're going to be in for a game, and it's going to be a fast game. Uh, they're going to give you chances, but they're going to get chances. Good young coach too, right? And Quinn. Yeah, I think so. You know, I'm uh, I'm just sad that that I drafted him in the first round. I think it was 13th overall. Mm-hmm. And he uh, was never, he played a BU, and he got a blood disease, and he was never able to play. And after we released his rights after a couple of years, because he just couldn't play, he tried it. I think he came back twice in the American League and probably played a total of 35 games or so and tried it. Couldn't do it. He was a guy who reminds you of Dennis Potvin. His stature, the way he played, I think he would have been a tremendous player. Really? That good? Wow. I didn't realize that. Oh, God. We uh, we loved him. We just loved him. I mean, can you imagine? They they wonder why we we got bad there for a few years in a row. Mm -hmm. Within two years, we lost career-ending injuries. Quinn, Mm -hmm. Hirsch, Tommy Hirsch, Hartsburg, Mandich, Sargent. Yeah, so, yeah, that's true. You, your, your luck with defensemen during the time I watched your club was not good. No, we like you had I mean, some good ones, but it's thirty. These were great defensemen, not good. Yeah, they, we would have as good a defense almost as there was in the last league. I think as good or better than anybody's if we had those five guys all healthy and in their prime. So Hartsburg was knees. No, Hartsburg was the hip. Oh, hip. Okay, Sergeant was the back. Yep. Hirsch was the shoulder. Yep. Quinn was the blood disease. Yep. And Mandich was, uh, he had a, 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 his might have been the knee. Not to, all, yeah, all sorry. career ending injuries. Not to open old wounds, but if you, if you took the, their issues and moved them into present day, how, how many guys could be fixed now or ha- have a surgery that would probably get them back on the ice? 
Well, I, I, I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know whether it was uh, the inability of the doctors to get them ready or the kind of fluky type of injuries that they had. I can still see Hearts were getting hit behind the net in Edmonton when he got it. Or just uh. fluky type things. And, and let me tell you, Hartsburg was, until Madonna came along, I thought he was the best player that ever played for the North Stars. Best player, period, huh? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I mean, he was really wow. good. I mean, he and, of course, Cicerelli up front, and uh, but ability-wise, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tom McCarthy always had that kind of ability, but, you know, he just had his problems off the ice. And that, I mean, McCarthy was an un- unbelievable talent. I mean, McCarthy went in the midget draft right ahead of Gretzky. He went one, Gretzky went two. Oh, I didn't know that. So yeah. he went before. <laughs> yeah, he went before Gretzky. There's a little bit of pressure on, on a kid, yeah. too. Woo. No, but he was good all the way through. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, Wild-wise, how long do you think Devin Dubnik can keep this up? I don't know. He's been unbelievable. I don't know how you could keep that up. I <clears throat> I, I want to say that, uh, you know, hopefully for the majority of the year, but then again, I'm like you. You know, I want him to get. <laughs> I want him to get Jack Hughes in the draft. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm I'm with you completely, and I just don't know what to make of this team because to go back to what we discussed on the podcast last week, Louis, I don't think you can get faster. Like no, that's not can't a correct get faster with what they got. No, right, but I mean that's not a correctable. That's not saying if so and so just tries harder, it, it'll improve. No, no, I, no. You got to yeah. You got to change people to get faster. Correct. So, so I watch them with their flaws, and I don't mm-hmm. see them as being um, correctable with this group. Not with this group, they're not going to get faster. No. Yeah. Uh, last thing. Mike Yo in, in trouble in St. Louis how soon? Because they're off to a bad start, and they did a lot there. Yeah, that's surprising. And, and yeah, I know. I don't know. I, I, sometimes I think, uh, um, you know, sometimes you got to be patient. Sometimes I wasn't patient. But <laughs> what they got right now in Yo's record, I, I think maybe you just got to be patient. I, you know, I'm not close enough to watch if it's coaching errors that are being made or if it's uh, – Effort, or if it's bad luck, or if it's goaltending, or you know, so right. a lot of things go into that. Louis, this league does not scream patience when it comes to coaching. Yeah, it's you're not right. just you. <laughs> uh, I, I got to tell you, in this day and age, with the kind of money that's at stake, you understand some of the. You know, we used to have, as I told you, Bill Bill Worth used to say, "I don't mind doing this or making a mistake, but my limit is a, a gentleman's loss, and that's two hundred fifty thousand dollars." <laughs> well, that thing doesn't exist today. You know, gentlemen's loss today is like five million. Yeah, I was going to say that's yeah, that's pretty quick to that. All right, thanks, Louis. Appreciate nice it. To talk to you. Thanks. All right. Bye bye. Take care. That once again the Lou Nanny podcast that you can find um, fifteen hundred ESPN dot com. You can also uh, find it on podcast one. We'll be doing this every week. Zolgad and Nanny appreciate you listening and uh, drop by next week again to hear our third episode. Have a great day, everybody. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Shred. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton, motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.